Dr. J and Arden Beach with you for another This Week at Windsor. Hello. Hello, Crusader of the Fader. Wow, you, did you just make that up? I did. <laughs> I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I was going to say, it's the best intro I've ever had from you. <laughs> well, I'm usually got nothing. <laughs> I wrote that down in my little joy diary. <laughs> yes. Well, great to be here. How was your week? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Gosh, we are just on fire in 2024. You know what it is? It's Mariah got the whip out. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hard taskmaster. I get the little little messages and the emails. Can you be here on this date at this time? Bam. Yeah. She's into it. I actually had told her I wasn't available today. And then she said, can you please rethink about that? <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking. She said, can you think about that again? She said, because actually when I look at your schedule, I think you can fit it in between this time and this time. And I said... Fair enough. Wow. The, the real boss at WWBC. Here we sit. <laughs> and we're on a roll too because last week's podcast went international and now the numbers are, are shooting way up. Half of Cochabamba is listening, I would I would say. Thanks yeah. you, thank you to Nito. Nito Minaya. That's the one. That's what, And he loved being here. He sent me a message afterwards. He was super grateful to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we just sit here and chat about stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I felt like I didn't get to ask him the one thing I was planning to ask him about, which was a bit more of his family life. So we'll have to do a part two. Indeed. Yeah, Indeed. Maybe yeah. next year. Heaps of stuff still to come this year and plenty of great guests as well. We've got an amazing lady coming up too. Um, but of course, life as usual, um, things are starting to settle back down and happen again. Anchored Youth returned this week. Yeah, Anchored Youth comes back uh, comes back this Friday by the time of this airing. Uh, by the time you hear it, it'll probably have already happened, but uh, very grateful and excited Pastor Eddie is putting his focus on getting our leaders up to speed, um, sort of really pouring into that team at the start of this year. So I'm excited for that. They're going to be running a car wash, car wash okay. coming up on, I think it's the first Saturday of March. Um, some other cool things happening as they get ready for kick in April. Uh, our WAM program uh, started back up today, which is fantastic. That's Word and Music. That's where we uh, invite some uh, primary and high school students to yeah, spend some time uh, getting equipped uh, in life. In this case, you know, uh, learning some music and church music. Um, we might expand that later to include things like, you know, drama or technical support or sort of other, other just equipping times. Uh, and then we finish with a discipleship Bible study, which we're going through the book of Mark right now. So, uh, so yeah, it's that, that started back up today. It's, it's really exciting that things are getting back in the swing. Yep. Night church was back last week as well. It was a bit hot. It was very warm. Yeah. Yeah. And we all got kicked out straight after. We did. It's a bit rude, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I it, think it was cooler outside. It, it was, it was, although I stepped outside and I thought, is it really cooler? <laughs> anyway? Yeah, it, it was great. Uh, great to have night church back. I was impressed, uh, you know, just to see how many people came back. You know, when you take a break for about five, six weeks, you sort of wonder, are people going to show up? And while we did miss some faces, if you're listening, please come back. But we missed a few faces, but there were also some new ones there as well. And I'm really excited for what God's going to continue to do in that space. Uh, if you haven't been to a night service, it's very informal. It's very casual. It's uh, not casual in terms of our focus. Our focus is it's on the Lord. But um, if you're someone who struggles in big crowds or you're someone who just has a heart to just kind of be real and be authentic and not have any of the other um, sort of external trappings that often get associated with church services, uh, I invite you to come. It's a really a safe space. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to, to nurture there. And there's always good food afterwards. Always. Yep. Yeah. Mel Cullen is in charge of choosing where we go each Sunday night. That's right. Yeah, I and mean, we got a lot of options nearby. Although there is one in Bly Park that you picked once. I'm not going to name it. <laughs> I'm not going to name it because I'm not into that. 
I'm not, <laughs> naming and shaming. I'm not going to shame it, but I will say uh, that's when you lost your privileges yeah. to choose. That's, that's why Mel is in charge. That's right. But uh, I don't know if you heard about the really exciting event that's coming up. What is it? It's this little thing called the Super Bowl. Oh, the Super Bowl. Yes. Have you heard of that? I have. Also known as uh, Hand Egg. I think isn't there a real game called Hand Egg? Probably. Well, but it's not but this one. American football is about as close <laughs> as you can get to holding an egg in your hand. You know, we have been together these many years, mm. and you still have yet to embrace it fully. Is that what I'm detecting? I still come along. Yeah, but you come for the food. I do. I do. <laughs> Joanna's meatballs. Yes. Where we might be expanding the menu this year. I don't know if I told you. Okay. Yeah. American macaroni and cheese. Just out of a box, I assume. No. Homemade. No. Isn't everything in America out of a box? No. No? Not at all. Cheese comes in a can. That's the exception. <laughs> that's not how we roll, man. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get the good processed stuff over here. You, you got to use the real ingredients. So, you know, we try to approximate. But. So, as, I because mean, you, you really get into it and you live for it as an American, which is your, your right and perhaps your, your duty, I don't know, your patriotic duty. Do you struggle with then... Australian sport, like the NRL, AFL, the Aussie stuff? Do you, is that hard for you to get into? So when I moved to Australia, I thought that I was very passionate about American sport. And then when I arrived here and I realized I couldn't watch American sport as much as I used to, that's when I discovered I am just passionate about anything where you throw, kick, carry an object, and you keep score. <laughs> um or hit an object, you know, I watched tennis. I even watched cricket while I was recovering from surgery in hospital. But, you know, I even yep. watched that. So I, I really, that's a good fit for me with Australia because I think in this culture, sport is, it's very popular, but it's popular in a different way. I find here in Australia, community sport is a big thing. Whereas in America, most people wouldn't say that, oh, part of my you know lifestyle, being a good citizen is being involved in my local community sport. Most Americans wouldn't do that. I would hate to think what that would do to the <laughs> the, the health stats and emergency rooms if the health and started taking up sports. But, um, but Americans love, I think they're a little more spectators, uh, to be honest. Um, but they're pretty, I mean, as a nation, you're pretty massive on the whole high school sport thing, the college sport thing, like certainly to a yeah. level we don't do here. That is that is true. That is true. And I, sometimes I just wonder if it's the, the sheer population size in America. But in high school, you know, high school sports, a great atmosphere. Uh, you go to university and you do it there. It's, that's a whole nother level. And then professional sport. There's so much money in it. So much mm. money behind oh, it. Oh, nuts. It's yeah. absolutely bonkers. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. I'm going to tease, maybe not next week, but maybe for the podcast after. I think I might drop some news on you. All right. Exciting so, things to come. Be listening. It's a, it's a new space for me. Well, we should go to this week's guest. We should. We're very thrilled to be having Judy Bolas on the podcast today. Judy Bolas has been an all-rounder uh, for WDBC. She's someone who loves Jesus and is just happy, to keen, happy and keen to get involved whenever she can. All right. Well, our guest this week, Dr. J, prolific woman. Prolific. Right. Ministry covers the full gamut. Absolutely. The full, the full spectrum. She's fresh off another Hymns or Us. Yep. Now she's gone all the way down the other end to do kids ministry. Judy Bolas, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. I you must be a busy lady. Try to keep busy, yes. <laughs> I believe it's what you Australians call an all-rounder. Is an all-rounder, yeah. I think yeah. That's pretty fair she to say. <laughs> <laughs> she, we're, we're embarrassing her. Judy, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. I really feel very honoured to be here. How long have you been coming to WDBC? 
Eight years. Okay. Yes, as at the first Sunday in January. And you've been a Christian most of your life? I've heard some of your story. Yes, I became a Christian when I was eight through the ministry of Frank McGuinness, who probably most people have never heard of, another generation, but Mm. yes. Yeah. What was that like for you, coming to faith at the age of eight? I guess I didn't have a terrible past or anything like that, but it was a very real experience for me, even mm. at that age. And it certainly changed the direction of my life, even from that early age. Now, your father was in ministry, is that right? That's correct, yes. What was his, what was his role? It was quite difficult because my father was always a pastor of small country churches, so he had to do everything. Mm. Scripture classes, services, prayer meetings, everything. So his life was focused on the church, Mm. and in those days that was the expectation. So it's my mum who really had a big impact on my life and who's been a real mentor to me. And even at the age of 94, she still is such a godly woman and she is a real mentor. Mm. Mm. And you'd, you'd been, you were telling me the other day, you'd been single for a long, long time and had pretty much given up on meeting someone Ooh, and then an good. amazing man wandered into your life. <laughs> yes. Well, I was teaching at Candos. That was my first appointment. I was there for four years. And every Sunday after church, I would go out. I had a little spot by a river where I'd go and I'd pray and fast every Sunday, just pleading with God to give me somebody to love. Anyway, after many, many months of that, the Lord seemed to say to me, I want you to be willing to be single. And I said, well, Lord, if that's what you want for me, I'm prepared for that to be. And just months later, I took up an appointment at John Michael Christian Schools, one of the foundation teachers. My parents and I bought a house. Three days after I moved in, I met Al. (laughs) <laughs> and the rest is history and here we are 43 years later and God has blessed us so much. Mm. I love a good romance story. Yeah, <laughs> It's beautiful. It's lovely, lovely. And I love that you sought the Lord in it. I feel like there's a lot of messaging we get through society and culture about, you know, it's just a, it, they just sort of re- reduce it to you know either biology or some sort of you know romantic chemistry between people or you know just do what suits you and you don't hear many people today saying I took that desire to the Lord I submitted it to Him and I was ready to to respond to what He said so thank you that's that's just a beautiful picture mm, and it is worth the wait it really is worth the wait mm-hmm. to have God's person. Mm. And uh, I had a very long list of requirements and Al fitted every single one <laughs> and beyond. It's wow. just, just been amazing. Yeah. Well, my wife famously had to surrender the fact that I was not the tallest gentleman <laughs> <laughs> that she might have dreamt of. And, you know, she laid that down and God paid her back. I've grown three inches since we've been married. So <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking, but... You know, sometimes yeah. just lay it down. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is just like thinking of of you know of couples or even stuff like jobs or or positions or whatever. It does seem to be a common theme in faith. If you just let go of that thing that you're so mm. desperately clinging to, the Lord will often then provide it to you. Mm. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah. So Judy, you've been working with Hymns R Us. Now, for someone who doesn't know what Hymns R Us is, can you please explain that? I, I, I find it's hard to put into words the whole experience, but you've been 
sort of knee deep in it uh, since you've been here. Tell us about Hims R Us. How would you explain it to someone who doesn't know what that is? Well, Hims have been part of the church's history for generations. And I think for many of us, Hims express so deeply what our faith means to us. And so I guess Hymns Are Us gives the opportunity not only for older people who remember hymns, but to introduce hymns to younger people because they are so rich and so deep, not only in their theology, but in their expression of our faith. And so many of them have come out of experiences of deep suffering and grief and deep experiences of the Lord. So... I guess it's twofold to sort of allow older people to relive those wonderful hymns and then to introduce them to the up-and-coming generations. And the last one we did um, interspersed with with wonderful moments from Arthur Stace's life as well. Yes, yeah, that was great. I heard the narrator was particularly incredible, incredible work. (laughs) (laughs) All the hard work had been done for him. (laughs) We're talking about Arden. (laughs) But it was cool um, because I I asked the crowd at some point, you know, did anyone know of him or had seen his, you know, his eternity scrawl around Sydney and stuff back in the day? And quite a few hands went Mm. up. It was incredible to see. And of course, we've got another one coming up on the 23rd of March and... We hope it will lead in nicely to Stations of the Cross because we're calling it Journey to the Cross. Mm. But it's not going to be morbid. Mm. We're going to celebrate what Christ has done on the cross. And, uh, yeah, so all the music and words are out and uh, rehearsals will start in a couple of weeks. So very exciting. And, and for reasons unknown, you've now decided to pick up the children's ministry. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't really on the plan, but God has, <laughs> in his own wonderful way, um, opened that door and uh, and really confirmed that this is what he wants me to do. So. Yeah. Tell me about your heart for children and why you think it's important that we engage children in the faith. Well, I think that this, the earlier that we can introduce children to the Lord and and to the difference that he can make in their whole life, the better. Um, I was so fortunate to become a Christian at such an early age. Um, And I feel sad for people who come to faith so late in life and they miss the joy of walking with the Lord throughout their life. And so if we can introduce the children to the gospel, to the difference that Christ can make, and they can make a commitment and be discipled through their years right up to adulthood. I think that's the best gift that we can give any child. I really do. What age ranges are you catering to? Well, we start with age three up to age six in our super kids, which is the younger group. And then from year one, so that's about seven up to 12 um, in the JAM group, which stands for Jesus and me. So we're covering the whole range. Yeah. It's been great to see you getting some of the older youth involved as well. What, what was your vision behind getting some of the high schoolers to help? Well, I think it's important once they're too old for kids' church that we get them involved because otherwise they're going to find interests outside the church. I feel that we have a responsibility to include them, to get them serving at a young age 
and then taking their place as adults in the church, continuing to serve, I think is part of our role in the local church. And there's uh, some sort of a program or something that they that they follow on that the church has purchased or, or yes, however it works? Yep. Yes, it's a Think Orange program. I'd never heard of it. And uh, when I started uh, helping out last year, I mean, I've been involved in children's ministry since I was 15 and I have never seen children engage with the Bible the way that they do with this material. It is absolutely outstanding. It really is. And I think, I don't know how much it's costing but I think it's worth every cent. And we're not even using it to its full capacity. As we learn more about it, um, I think we will be able to expand it and use it more efficiently than we are. So is there a theme for the term? Is there a mm-hmm. lesson? What would that be for yes, this term? Right. Well, uh, for this month, February, uh, the theme is kindness. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to actually get the kids to put what they're learning into practice. So one of the things we're doing is that we're collecting food for our emergency relief ministry. Uh, so the kids will be bringing in things, you know, non-perishable items for the whole month and then we're hoping on the Thanksgiving Sunday to make a presentation um, of all that so and then uh, peace is the theme for the older kids for March and then the little ones for uh, February Jesus loves me and for March Jesus is my forever friend so great material and Excellent supportive videos and music and, oh, yeah, excellent. What would you say to a parent who maybe hasn't had that experience for themselves, didn't grow up grow up in a church or hasn't put their kids into a kids program like this before and is maybe feeling a little bit nervous, like, oh, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to show my kid? And, um, you know, this is a bit of a new new kettle of fish for me. What would you say to someone like that who maybe is feeling a little bit nervous and a bit unsure, um, yeah, to encourage them about what this what impact this could have for their kids? Well, I, I think the first thing I would say is I would invite them to come along with their child for the first few weeks just so that they can see for themselves what we're doing and they can be reassured that their child will be loved and valued and respected and to get an idea of the activities that we're doing and that sort of thing. Um, I'd be more than happy for parents to do that because I think having been a parent myself, you know, it's important for you to know what your children are involved in. Uh, So that's what I would say. Awesome. All right, well, thanks for coming along this week, Judy. It's been a pleasure. Thank was, you for having me. It wasn't as bad as you thought, was it? No. <laughs> she was very nervous outside. Oh. <laughs> we could listen to you talk all day, Judy. Thanks. It's a real real treat. And thanks for Al for joining, for being our silent uh, fourth <laughs> member of the team here, <laughs> communicating with hand signals. No, you two have been such a blessing to WDBC and been wonderful, a uh, wonderful example for us all about, you know, how we continue to serve the Lord through different seasons of life. And I just really appreciate you both personally for the way that you've yeah, committed to love his people and to, to give your time and to give your energy um, to his kingdom. So thank you. Judy Bowles there. What a, uh, what a lovely lady with a fantastic servant heart. I tell you what, I, I wanted to ask her, but we didn't really have the time. I wanted to ask her, how do you stay sincere and earnest mm. having been in so many different ministries for so much of your life. I feel like a lot of Christians, the story goes, the longer you're in ministry, the longer you're serving, like the more sort of 
twisted and tortured you get. Mm -hmm. um, you hate to say that, but unfortunately you see that. And, um, but she's quite the opposite. And it's just, it's really a marvel. Um, you know, it's a great testimony to what the spirit of God does. And if you serve out of a heart that loves the Lord and you're not serving out of another motivation, like, you know, well, this is just my duty or, you know, this is my sense of identity. You can really have a beautiful uh, flourishing impact in a community. So I wanted to ask her about that, but I didn't get a chance to. Next time she's on. Yeah, next next time she's on. Arden, I did have a question for you, though. Did you have any examples in your life of mature saints? We'll just call we'll just call it that mature saints who you just looked at and marveled and thought, wow. Yeah, I think uh, primarily mum and dad living on the mission field and essentially just, just living by faith. Perhaps it's not a model we you see as often these days. Um, I think mission organizations have changed structurally um, the way we we kind of um, assist missionaries financially has probably changed these days. Um, but really just living, essentially living by faith. And, and it was all we knew as kids. And so that was just a great grounding and a foundation, I think, for me. Um, just going through life knowing that God will provide and, and things will be okay and, and, and God's got us. And, and that was and seeing him provide time after time was really mm. cool. Uh, another another big one was Dad's, Dad's brother. He was a pastor at uh, Randwick Baptist Church for many, many years mm. and now runs, has for 10 or 20 years now, I think perhaps, um, run a um, an organisation that looks after orphans and widows and stuff over in Asia. So he was very instrumental in my faith as well growing up here. Yeah. That's amazing. So keep going, you know. I just encourage people to keep going. You never know who's watching, and yeah. uh, even even when, when they're young. But speaking of things that aged well, mm. how's that for a segue? Hey. Spe speaking of things that aged well, uh, did you happen to catch the clips of the live performances from the Grammys this week? I did not. You did not. Well, here's my recommendation for this week, and we've dropped it. It's a couple of podcasts, so... We're going to catch up. <laughs> um, but here's my recommendation. If you can find online, uh, there was a live performance, a duet with Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs singing a duet of Tracy's song, Fast Car, which came out, I believe, in 1988. Sounds about right. So for those of you who don't know, Tracy Chapman is an African-American singer, songwriter. Uh, she hasn't performed publicly in like 15 years. Uh, and Luke Combs covered this song, Fast Car, uh, last year on one of his albums, and it skyrocketed to the top of the charts. And Tracy Chapman wasn't talking about it at all. They were trying to get her opinion, and she wasn't saying anything about it. Yeah. And uh, now he, so then he started getting flack because people said, oh, you're ripping off her song, and da-da-da-da. And Luke Combs is a, he's a white, young country boy, <laughs> if you look at a picture. Yeah, because he'd just be typically doing country music, wouldn't he? Exactly. And so when, you know, her song written, it's, it's the first it's the first song on, to top the country charts that is written only by an African-American female songwriter. It's the first time that's ever happened. Well, anyway, fast forward to a couple of days ago at the Grammys. Uh, they performed a duet live, and it was just awesome. I, it was something amazingly visual to watch this black woman in her, I don't know, got to be late 50s or early 60s, performing with a guitar with class, dignity, and grace. And this young guy, you know, uh, young white guy in a country genre, different genre, just geeking out and totally fanboying while he's doing a duet and just to watch that diversity on stage and to watch the grace and it's obviously a classic song yep. um to watch that come together there was something really beautiful and it was amazing how it just took the internet by storm and the song guess what it topped the charts again 
36 years after she came out with it. So just after that performance. So it's yeah. pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Um, and I'd recommend anybody go online and find it if you can. Cool. What, a, what a great way to, to honor her and that original performance. Yeah. He even honored her by not changing the lyric. Okay. Uh, he didn't change the pronouns, so he kept it um, singing as if he was a lady. Awesome. Well, thanks for another week. Thank you. Always a pleasure. What exciting things we've got coming up? Coming up, we have my teaser and the mayor of the Hawkesbury. Wow. Coming next week. <laughs>